0: No, Zin, no, Zin. Go, go, go.
1: Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Before I start tonight's show, I want to take a moment to thank all those that so generously donated to the show over the past week. I am overwhelmed by the support given and can't express my gratitude enough. To be completely honest, I expected to get only a few bucks but that would have helped to go toward the upcoming hosting fees I mentioned in the previous show. Not only did you exceed that, but you've almost reached the full amount I need to cover those fees as well as my monthly website and phone line costs for the next couple months. So for that, I'm so grateful, and I'd like to personally thank the following folks for their contributions. Danny A, Lydia B, Chris B, Lynette G, Alexander F, Teresa Z, Jamie P., Ryan G., Carrie S., Allison R., Josh R., Amy B., and Adam S. Once again, thank you to all of you, and to all those that have donated over the past year. If you'd like to contribute as well, there's still plenty of need. Simply visit the Donate tab at the website at MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com. Alright, let's get on with it. I've often spoken of the mysteries that the open road holds. There's no telling what dangers lie hidden just around the curve, or what nightmares await just over the next ridge. That's the thing about the road, it's an ever-changing environment, a conveyor belt of experience, some good, some bad, sometimes eventful, and sometimes not. It's out on a lonely stretch of desert highway that our first story takes place. A chance encounter that triggers a snowball effect of strange happenings. This is Carrie's Call.
2: Hi, my name is Carrie. I've been listening to the podcast for a few months now. And I just wanted to call in and share a strange incident that happened to my mom and I um, several years ago in Nevada. I'm from Las Vegas and this happened before I went to college. I was considering going to um, University of Reno. Um, The actual incident happened on the drive back from Reno to Las Vegas. I was driving, and um, we had been on the road. If you've ever driven from Las Vegas to Reno or vice versa, there's pretty much nothing in between the two towns. It's just eight hours of desert highway um, with a few small towns in between, but for the most part, just desert and highway, and that's it. We had been on the road for about two or three hours by this point and it was just starting to get dark um so we still we weren't anywhere near Reno but we also weren't close to Vegas yet either and again I was driving um it's a two lane highway there's nothing around us there's no there's no towns there's, there's not even road signs there's no other cars it's just it's a very very desolate drive um So we're driving along and we see this blood smear on the road which wasn't too strange because we had seen, you know, there's always coyotes or rabbits or something getting hit. But there was just a tremendous amount of blood um, to the point where we both noticed it and we're wondering, you know, what was this... This animal must have been huge to leave such a long blood trail. And, and it, was, it was a long trail, too, so whatever it was had been dragged or, or hit and dragged. And we see off in the distance, there's this shadow, this large, black, sort of hunched over figure. Um, maybe, I mean, again, I was in a car, but maybe four or five feet tall, to the point where it, it was much too big to be a coyote or a rabbit, but maybe not a full-grown person either so but, but like the size of a child or like a kneeling person um but it was so big and strange looking that we and because of the blood we slowed down um thinking that maybe someone was hurt or something and when we start slowing down the the thing turns and we realize that it's not a person it's it's a bird like it and I've seen condors, I've seen big birds before, but this was the largest bird I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I can't even explain it. It And it was strange looking. Um, it turned to us, we slowed down, and then it spread its wings, and I know how crazy this sounds, but the wings were... Its wingspan was larger than the whole car, and I also don't know how crazy this sounds because it sounds very movie-like. But his eyes were red, and it it turned and it lifted, it, it spread its wings, and it flew over the car, just you know behind us. And it was so large that it obscured our entire windshield; like we couldn't see anything. It it blacked out the whole windshield, and. We couldn't get, we both were both screaming at this point, like, you know, what is this? What is this thing? But we, we couldn't get a good look at its features because the sun was setting and it was sort of silhouetted against that. Um, but it was definitely a bird like creature, very dark, and it was eating some carcass on the side of the road. And I know this is strange enough, but I, I would just say it was you know a California condor or something um but what was weird so we're we're a little freaked out by this giant thing that just flew over our car and we pull over at the next stop which was I don't know 20 minutes it wasn't very long away um we just found a small little gas station and again there's there's really no towns out there there's nothing out there so we pull into this gas station, have no idea where we are, and we find out we're in Carver's, Nevada, which I've lived in Vegas my whole life. I would never heard of Carver's, Nevada, and I've driven to Reno several times. And if you look at a map, Carver's is more central. It's not on the route from Vegas to Reno. There's only one highway that really connects reno to vegas and somehow we had gotten off course i have no idea how i mean it's pretty much as just like i said like a straight shot eight hours one direction and somehow we were in you know now we're in central nevada um so at this point we're very confused very scared because we don't even know how to get back to we weren't even on the 95 anymore um on the highway that's it from Vegas, Trina. So we had to try to figure out how to get back. I, I can't, again, I can't really explain what happened. We were just driving. We didn't notice any changes in the road. It was just after the, that bird incident. Apparently, we had been driving in the wrong direction, but I just don't see how that's possible. When The other part was that at the gas station, we realized that it was 10 at night, and the sun had just set, like like I said, like 15, 20 minutes before that, because the sun was setting when we saw the bird, and that was just a few minutes prior to, but somehow we had lost three or four hours, and ended up... in a completely different area than where we should have been. Not even should have been. It's just there was, there's literally no other roads to get to Carver's. Like, we would have had to have made the mistake or made the turnoff way back in Reno, and, and we didn't. So, yeah. To this day, we still can't explain it. It's been about 10 years since this happened. I, I can't explain it. I can't explain the animal, and I can't explain the time loss or just that feeling of lost time either we weren't disoriented we weren't confused i mean obviously i'm I'm with my mom like nobody's we're not partying nothing nothing crazy happened so yeah that's my story um just wondering what if anybody else had similar experiences thanks
1: Thank you, Carrie, for sharing your encounter. This is another one of those encounter stories that I have very little information on. I did some digging and was unable to find anything other than the experiences with the Mothman in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, back in the 1960s. Those experiences also noted missing time and a strange, bird-like sighting, but I'm afraid that's where the similarities end. If anyone listening has an opinion on this call please feel free to reach out. I'm very curious to know if anything like this has been reported previously, and perhaps you're just the person to know. Thank you again, Carrie, for taking the time to submit your story. Our next tale is fresh. So fresh that it happened just last week. Here is Rob's Encounter.
3: Hey, Derek. Uh, my name is Rob, and uh, I'm from Michigan, uh, just north of Detroit Little Ways, and uh, I got a story for you. Um, this happened in the hospital just last week. I mean, this thing is really recent, and uh, I just thought you or, you know, the listeners might be interested. Um, uh, my wife was in the hospital last week. She had a pretty serious procedure done, and uh, I had stayed at the hospital you know after the procedure to hang out with my wife you know help her anything she needed while she was recovering and uh i guess it was about seven thirty at night and i had to take off uh i had to get the kids ready for bed and uh make sure they got to school the next morning and so I, I say my goodbyes and head out and uh i go to get on the elevator and uh, i'm on the sixth floor which is the top floor of the building and heads head towards the elevator bank. There's two elevators, and uh, and I notice I'm right behind this guy, and um, he's getting ready to get on the first elevator nearest to me. And um, you know, I, I'm a former private detective, so I, I tend to get descriptions of people. So I noticed right away that this guy's you know he's like my height, six foot one, probably maybe two seventy and uh he's I noticed he's wearing like jeans and a, a flannel shirt with uh, like an army field jacket over it. It was either plain green or camouflage. I don't remember exactly, and he had some kind of hat on like a like a red uh, knit cap. and then I noticed he had gray and and black speckled hair that was kind of shaggy you know hanging out from under the hat. and uh, he's not looked around or anything. He just goes right towards the elevator, hits the button. The doors open and he gets on. He's like six, ten feet in front of me. And uh doesn't even turn around, doesn't look or anything, just gets on and lets the doors close behind him. And I was kinda hoping he would have held the door. You know, let me on and you know, I'm top floor, it might be a little while, but anyway, I was like, Yeah, he's in a, probably a bigger hurry than I am. So and you know, I try not to think too much about it and figure I'll just catch the next one. And I wait a couple seconds, maybe two or three seconds, to let the elevator start, so I don't hit the button and open that one right back up again. And uh, I figured it's gone. Like I said, three seconds, maybe enough to get it going. And I hit the button, and that elevator that he just walked on opened right back up. It hadn't gone anywhere. And I thought that was odd. And I was getting ready to apologize to the guy, say, you know, hey, sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, make this open back up. I know you're in a hurry, but before I could apologize, I noticed there was nobody in the elevator and, uh, five or 10 seconds earlier, I watched, you know, a six foot one, 270 pound guy walk right onto that elevator and, uh, the doors closed, they opened back up and he wasn't there. And there hadn't been time for the elevator to go anywhere, you know, to let him off. And, and, uh, it just, he just vanished. And, uh, so I, I get on the elevator and i look around I'm kind of befuddled and you know, I'm looking there's no back door on the elevator some hospitals have you know elevators you can get on either side this was just one door and you know he was just gone and uh, so I take it down and I almost went back up to tell my wife what happened but I figured oh, I better get home and I go get in the car and I text my wife and uh, they my phone was dead I had it on the charger in the room there with her you know for at least an hour before I left so it should have had at least a half a charge and nothing and I you know get away from the hospital maybe five minutes and you know my phone starts back up and it's at 14% so why did it even die in the first place I don't know take what you will with that I don't I don't doesn't mean a whole lot to me but I know some people find that interesting um then the next day I went back to get my wife and You know, I'm looking at the elevator, and there is, like I said, there's no back door. There's not even a top, like, escape hatch. Um, There was nowhere. That guy vanished. And uh, he was just, I mean, I I was right behind him. I watched him walk on there. Doors closed. Three seconds later, hit the button, doors open, and and the guy's gone. And uh, interestingly enough, about a week later... Um, a friend of ours, who was a doctor in that hospital, was over um, for St. Patrick's Day. We have a little get-together, and my wife told her what happened to me. And I guess she kind of got the chills and said that uh, there's been a lot of people who've seen a guy who she described being about my size, which he was, you know, wearing a, a flannel shirt, which he was. And uh, I guess some people have seen him around, around the stairwells. Um, but she, I mean the way she described him, it was the same guy. And uh, pretty much the way I'm looking at it is I saw a guy who probably passed away in that hospital and doesn't know it and is trying to go home. Um, that's the only thing I can figure. And, uh, you know, I this is my second encounter, um, seeing something and I guess yeah there's life after death I'm not the type of guy who makes things up I don't I'm not prone to fancy you know just you know I I never tell a story that isn't true and I saw what I saw and that fellow was he was just gone and the fact that other people have seen the same guy really corroborates and and, uh, you know, I guess it doesn't necessarily make sense of it, but it sure makes it easier on me. Hey, I appreciate the show, man. I really enjoy it. Um, I got another story for you, but I want to get it when my wife is able to uh, put in her half of the show. So I hope this works out for you. I hope this uh, is something need and you can use on the show. And I'm like I said, I really enjoy your show, and I look forward to new episodes, and I've listened to everything so far. So keep up the good work, man. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Rob. It seems your wife made it through her surgery with positive results, so I'm very happy to hear that. As for your experience, I've heard many accounts quite similar to this. A disappearing person somewhere on the hospital grounds. It's an encounter story as old as hospitals themselves, but that does not keep the encounter from being creepy and unsettling. In fact, knowing that these spirits could be lost in searching for a way home ups the creep factor tenfold. There were a few points to Rob's story that I thought lent credence. For starters, he mentioned his phone battery draining. Now, anyone with an iPhone more than a year old knows that the battery life has a mind of its own and oftentimes it shuts down faster than an office worker at 5 p.m. on Friday. But anyone that knows anything about paranormal investigations also knows that a quickly depleting battery is often attributed to paranormal activity. In addition, I noticed that the description Rob gave of the entity's wardrobe made me think it was dated. In my opinion, it sounded as though he was either from the early 90s or even the late 60s, But then again, that outfit could have just as easily been from our current time. Finally, the validation from the doctor seems to be the icing on the cake for this case. Anytime you can authenticate information about a sighting with someone else bodes very well. So thank you again, Rob, for taking the time to share your story while it was still fresh in your mind. Next up is a strange encounter the likes of which I have never heard. You may remember Scott from last week's Bigfoot Encounter story. He's back with something much, much more bizarre.
0: Hi, my name is Scott. I'm calling from extreme western central Nevada, but my story actually takes place in a place in Bosnia called Doña Tantanita. Um I was there with a covert special operations element with the U.S. military, and we were searching for a war criminal. And that's just a little background, but not really germane to the story. Um, we were in a long-abandoned uh, farmstead and had set up an observation post and were watching for this person of interest. Um, There were no locals around. The area had been heavily uh, devastated by the uh, war in Bosnia. And uh, it was my night to, or my shift to do night watch. And um, watching out over the moonlit, uh, empty farm fields and... Rundown down old farm, completely abandoned community, and uh, thought I saw something moving. So, kind of took a little more careful look, and I did see something moving out by one of the outbuildings. So, turned on my night vision, looked, didn't see anything, so I thought, oh, you know, rustling of uh, bushes or leaves, or whatever. I'll turn the night vision back off, continue to look, and then I saw something moving again, and now it was closer. And I know this is going to sound completely weird, but uh, it moved like a big spider. And when I say a big spider, I mean like uh, 18 inches to 2 feet Um And uh, it was moving towards the building we were in. I was in the second story, looking out a small window, uh, just keeping watch. And uh, it continued to move, and it got to the base of the building, and it started like a spider would—it started to come up the wall. And um, my emotions were kind of weird because uh, I was obviously in warrior mode, where we're out hunting for a war criminal, and. Hopefully, we're going to capture him, but otherwise, if he resists, then whatever happened would happen. Um, so, I don't know if I would say that I was terrified, as I probably should have been, but I definitely was uh, kind of freaked out, kind of scared. But at the same time, I didn't want to wake my companions because I was like, this is crazy. This can't really be happening. Um, You know, so I watched as it climbed up the wall, and it seemed to be coming right towards me. And uh, at that point, I kind of leaned out the window, and I aimed my weapon at it, and it stopped, and it looked up at me. And it was almost like a distorted human head attached to, like, a spider's body. But unlike a traditional spider, this Is scaly like a reptile. It has a somewhat humanoid face. And um, it was standing uh, on the wall, maybe three feet from the window that I was at. And I'm pointing my weapon at it. And truthfully, I don't know if I actually verbalized this or if it was in my mind. But I told it, I don't know what you are. I don't know who you are. I'm not afraid of you, which was a lie. I was actually scared. But if you don't leave now, I will kill you. And it cocked its head like a dog will and looked at me. And I don't know if this is me interpreting it, but it almost looked like it kind of grinned. And then it turned, went down the wall, and basically retraced its steps back off into, uh, it was a fairly bright moonlit night off off towards that old shed and until I couldn't see it again. And, uh, when I was relieved of my watch duties, um, I told him I was going to go out and stretch my legs a little bit, which we could only do in the evening because obviously we were trying to be surreptitious. Um, so I went out towards that, to that shed and, uh, had my night vision on and I was like in combat mode searching. Um, I didn't find like a burrow or maybe a hole that it could have gone down into. Um, I didn't see any pathway that it may have traveled off to. So uh, what it was, I don't know. Um, uh, I don't. Uh, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I've never done any... Illicit drugs, so I I wasn't—I don't believe I was hallucinating. Um, But it was obviously a very unusual experience, and quite frankly, I I had not heard of your podcast before. And uh, a friend turned me on to it. I listened to a couple episodes, and I went, "Ooh, these guys might be interested in my story." Uh, Aside from you guys, the only person I've ever told this story to was my wife and uh uh, so i hope that you enjoyed it Uh, i have no idea what it was i've never heard of a creature like that before i've never seen anything like that um since and hopefully i won't so i enjoy your podcast keep up the good work and um, i hope that you enjoyed the story you guys have a great day bye
1: Thank you again Scott. This story is crazy. I've heard legends of dog-sized spiders in Central and South America and I know there are several species of spiders with abdomens that resemble a human face, but I've never heard of those two attributes combined. The first thing I thought of was that the climate of Bosnia is not fit for large arachnids. Typically for a spider to reach great size it needs a much warmer climate And that's not even taking in the food supply for a creature that size. So, that got me wondering if this was something other than an oddly shaped, oversized spider. What if this creature was something similar to the Mantis Man story that was submitted just a few episodes ago? Perhaps this creature isn't even of this dimension, or even this world. It wouldn't be the first time an interdimensional or extraterrestrial being was witnessed in a war-torn area. Thank you again, Scott, for sharing, and thank you for your service. Finally, I have a healthy fascination with small-town and local monsters. Think Skateboard Swamp Lizard Man, Honey Island Swamp Monster, or the Loveland Frog. I assume that most of these encounters were part of a concentrated flap so I don't expect to get too many stories submitted about these creatures. So, what I've decided to do is focus on one of these infamous stories every couple episodes. Just something to keep variety in the show. Our first creature of this series is the Dewey Lake Monster of Doha Jack, Michigan. This first clip is from WWMT News, Channel 3 of Kalamazoo, Michigan. The second is an eyewitness encounter of the Dewey Lake monster taken from YouTube user Dewey Lake Monster.
4: It looks like any other small lake in West Michigan, but Dewey Lake has gotten worldwide attention. Some people are convinced there's a terrifying monster here. I have to admit, even I found some creepy evidence. Summer 1964, Dewajak, Michigan. A small town in Cass County was in the grips of monster fever. Thousands of people flooded the area looking for a creature that was spotted around Dewey Lake. Residents around the lake reported scary, close encounters with a huge beast covered in dark fur that was 10 feet tall. The frenzy eventually died down, but people are still seeing the Dewey Lake monster.
5: I look at it with a interested eye. I believe it's a possibility.
4: Wendy Alexander grew up in Cass County, hearing
5: stories of the monster. I wouldn't assume that everybody would be hoaxing.
4: She's just one of several people who keep an eye on sightings, using a Facebook page and website dedicated to finding the truth. There have been sightings from DeWajak all the way to Decatur. Wendy says the Dewey Lake monster appears to be similar to a Bigfoot, but there are differences.
5: It seems to be kind of aquatic in nature to a degree, where it swims and, you know, under the surface. Some people kind of say it had scaly, you know, and then like the long, like claws more like a bear. Some of the pictures show kind of a cone-shaped head.
4: And this creature is more aggressive.
5: Smashed cars, turned over cars. So that's scary. You know, seeing something would be scary enough, but having, being aggressed by some sort of unknown creature would be incredibly frightening.
4: This recording claims to have caught the monster in action. When I was out at Dewey Lake, I came across some suspected evidence. Leading into the swamp was a single footprint, appearing to be very wide with claws. In the woods, I found parts of a plant that was torn up and placed in a circle. I sent this evidence to researchers who say it matches up with other
5: reports. People are embarrassed to come forward and there are close to 30 sightings. How many were never reported because they're too embarrassed?
4: Wendy says it will take physical evidence for people to believe.
5: I don't think video in this day and age, it just gets better. People Photoshop and you know CGI is so to a point that it's so realistic it would take an actual specimen.
4: Until then, you may want to be careful where you swim.
6: Well, sir, at the time it was October, and uh, I would come up to Michigan specifically, double Jack, because he says that there was higher, and uh, I had been manager, supervisor, on all kinds of different, you know, different farms there in carolina it used to go to uh, some of the some of the inland places and then was up to michigan before and then, uh came up <clears throat> then because uh, well there was work and seasonal and it was a it, it gets very busy around uh you know, the, the the late summer months when the, 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 I think it's like from June to basically uh, apple season. So it was an apple season that happened. And um, I, I never been back to Michigan since since that. That, that was that was the end for me. Uh, I, I, I was, I don't, I can't say what it was. All I can say is what I saw and how I reacted. I mean, we simply trying to uh, wrap things up because uh, we had brought in a lot of apples that day. So I was back toward the tree line, and uh, I was um, basically just trying to, you know. Um, Recoup all, Basically, what I was trying to do, or why the reason I was back there, <clears throat> I had gone back to the tree line <clears throat> because when when we were packaging during the day, uh, we got to make sure that we get all the crates back. We got we got all of the um, uh, hauling equipment in, and we, we bring it in to the barn and back up to the ranch and, and lock it down and so I happened to be back there and, and the wind was quite bad so um there had been a lot of the the bisqueen the plastic had blown free it was blowing around and uh, I was back by the tree line and the first thing that happened was just a god-awful smell and i I can't even do it justice I only know that I, I felt something wrong before I even realized it's a smell and then I thought you know uh, you know my god there's a there's a stink like I thought maybe some sewer line or septic tank had broke nearby or but it was a swampy smell and um, I, I turned around and just you know was, was was dealing with that when uh, you know I looked back and you um, across the moon on the field, and was gonna head back and uh, get a couple of the guys that worked for me when I saw, basically, the tree step into the path. And that's when I saw that it was something there, and it seemed like I froze for, it felt like five minutes or so. Uh, That thing leaned in toward me, I took off running. It kept running past me, like it's just playing with me, and I'll admit it. I was in a panic. I ran. Um, I fell, my chest was burning so bad from running that <laughs> I thought that I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die from you know just just a heart attack. I couldn't even I couldn't even feel my chest anymore, and um, I got back to the farm. And I just kept running, and I'd see the thing out of the corner of my eyes, and I thought, any moment, this thing's going to tear me to pieces. But when I get back there, it's already standing in front of the tractor at the edge of the barn, and, and it's breathing heavy, and it's just staring at me, and the smell was just god-awful. And, you know, the wind's the wind's blowing right in my face. So I tried to catch my breath. I was... I was on all fours like a dog. When I stood up, I, I think I must have stood there for like maybe five ten seconds. I didn't see it. I ran back for the house. I was gonna get my gun. I was gonna get the, the rest of the guys. He was gone.
1: I'm going to do my best to offer these stories up without comment or criticism. But I have to say that the sound the news team played seems to sound a lot like a cow to me. And that does it for this episode of Monsters Among Us. But before I go, I want to remind you that if you have a story you'd like to share on the show, give the hotline a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. You can also email me a WAVE or MP3 file to monstersamonguspodcast at gmail or visit the website for further details. Follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember to submit that donation if you love what you hear. I promise I won't spend it all on beer. Lastly, let's expand the show's reach. If you haven't already, please hit subscribe on your podcatcher now. That helps iTunes, or whichever service you're using, realize how many people actually like the show and lists us accordingly. Also, be a lamb. Rate and review the show. I've been averaging about one review a week and I'd love to see that number increase a bit. Finally, music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening and until next week.